Welcome to Mummy and Daddy, the podcast where we discuss horror movies featuring children. Because parenting can be scary. And kiddos are definitely creepy. Hi, Carol. Hi. Are we on the lake right now? Oh, we're in a winter storm with icy howling wind. Oh, it feels really good to be cold, I gotta say, after just one second ago being in the hot, hot wildfire heat of LA. Uh, I wish I had a hot, hot heat drop ready. <laughs> oh boy, it does. Oh man, don't don't fall through the ice now. Try not to, um, but definitely don't look for any signs of thin ice. And don't warn anybody you're with. Okay. The ice may be thin. Okay. Well, I'll see you later. Okay. Take care. All right. I'll be here. I'll be at the lodge. Okay. I'm going to take the car. Oh. But here's a gun. I just tossed it to you. Catch it. (laughs) (laughs) Can I tell you what this video is called? Because it's making my hands sweat. No. I can't tell you. (laughs) Yeah, okay, fine. Okay, first of all, the location is the Ukraine. (laughs) (laughs) It has 5.8 million views on YouTube. What? It is winter storm ambiance with icy howling wind sounds for sleeping, relaxing, and studying background. Oh, okay. I was like five, almost six million views. That's crazy. Strange. It's six hours long. Oh, okay. So all night people listen to that. And all day just to (laughs) study and focus? I don't know. I'm not a white noise person, so don't ask me. It's a grating to me. As soon as I wake up, as soon as I wake up, I go and turn the kid's noise machine off. Josh will will leave it on all day. He doesn't even Love hear it. it. He doesn't. He loves it. No, he's in. He he does it on purpose. I, I'm now learning. Well, I just I did find out probably why. Why? Well, I recently had a hearing test. Oh yes, you did. Because I've always had tinnitus. Did you know that? <laughs> I've had it since I was probably. I, don't <laughs> I didn't know. realize you were waiting for I me to react. I don't know what I was waiting for. I, but I forgot to drop my wine glass. You Ooh. wouldn't have heard it anyway. <laughs> oh no! All those high tinkly tones would be impossible. <laughs> uh, I've probably had it since I was a teenager. But That's, I, that sucks. It really does. I'm uh-huh. sorry. I don't have tinnitus, so <laughs> no, I, I, I wasn't saying that. I really don't, and I don't know what that's like. So, well, it means places that are really quiet, like if you're fortunate enough to be in the woods or a lodge on a lake. In the quiet, you just hear ringing in your ears. That's it. Um, <laughs> I was <laughs> I was thinking about the gun blowing up when I tossed it to you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, but go on, go on. I'm I'm paying attention. Say she's off. <laughs> uh, and the so I got a hearing test because I realized I had no baseline for my hearing. I work in music, so I thought after several months of shows not being of not being at shows i would try to get a good baseline for my hearing because now that i'm not at shows i'm under headphones or earbuds hours and hours a day including mm-hmm. right now and so anyway it turns out it's pretty mild which is terrifying to know that it could get worse but what happens when you have tinnitus it is the the little hair cells in your ears have died off and like a phantom limb, they are trying to fill the void in your brain of what it was like when they were there. Now that's a horror story. (laughs) The hair cell story. And so they, the first thing you lose because they're closest to the outer part of your cochlear loop or whatever the hell that's called and uh, are the high tones. So it creates the most basic form of it that it can, which is a high pitched whine. Hmm. And so they did say, and it's never been such a bother for me that I have, it's prevented me from sleeping or given me trouble sleeping, but they said, 
that if you're ever bothered by it, white noise is a great solution to help your sleep. And oh. I was like, oh, too bad. I would do that for you. I'd, I'd get used to it. I mean, we've had the air conditioner on and the fan, and that's like a what sort of a white noise. That's I like think sleeping it's... at the airport. That sucks. Oh, I don't mind. I guess it's the trade-off is we have a cool room so yeah that's the now part i'm not that... talking just talking about our Harold and mod poster okay oh, yeah. now we oh, have right, a really then. cool room <laughs> the papa shot basketball and the uh fun <laughs> drapes we have hanging from the ceiling i'm just describing like a recording studio from the <laughs> 90s um and i was referencing our actual Harold and mod poster we've but... got one it's pretty sick but we also have air conditioning so it's very cool in our room but i don't mind that i just i think I think if you needed white noise, we could go with like a wave sound or something or a howling wind. Just not that that the kids have in their room. Well, in the last couple of days, I've been digging back into my Headspace app Mm. and they have a ton of white noise, ambient noise, kind of anytime you Mm. want, but especially for falling asleep Mm. sounds and they're 3D sounds like really well produced Mm-hmm. So I had them in my earbuds in last night. Do you have to put on special glasses for them? Yeah, you do. Yep. And then you shove them in your ears. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope listeners know what they're in for with uh, the level of my jokes this evening. Oh, it's going to be a good one. Well, it is because we are talking about last year's The Lodge. The Lodge. Directed by Veronica Bronze and Severin Fiala. And Severus Snape. I, I can't even Snape. hold this in until like a more relevant time to tell you. But I read an interview with them that do you know anything about them? They seem the I'm gonna say they're not German. Are they Danish or something? Well they're Austrian. Austrian. Okay. Um Okay, so you don't know anything about them. Um, I was pretty close, though. (laughs) All their sensibilities point to No, I like, you know, I always like that about you. Um, Just (laughs) my casual. uh, Just overly confident, you know, just like I do know. I know something about them. I know something that I'm going to guess out right now. (laughs) Yeah, no, but I think it's very important to my other opinions about this, about like some of the weird parts about this movie is how they're, Mm. they're clearly not American. I always find it. Well, yeah, because you've seen Goodnight Mommy, which is their first film that's in Austrian. Right, but I could have also told you that they were because of the their attempt at Thanksgiving decorations. Oh, I really liked that. I, I thought that was really funny We're going to have cute. four false turkeys at the hats. four corners of the table. Oh, they were hats, you think? Yeah, no, there's a part in it where she's like, we all have turkey hats. I thought she was just balancing them on one of them on her head. Yeah, I mean... And they were normally just sitting there on the table and their sole purpose is just as... I, I feel like we have a ton of weird Thanksgiving decorations. Right, but we would never have like styrofoam. I see what you're turkeys. trying to say, but I also liked that weird okay. thing about it. Um, it's deeply un-American, but okay. <laughs> I don't think so. I disagree. Um Save it for the convention. Well, I think Thanksgiving decorations in general are like always going to be weird and kind of silly like that. Like it's going to be a cornucopia. There's going to be a horn of plenty. Both? Yeah. (laughs) I just wanted to say horn of plenty. Um, There might be a weird, like we have several Thanksgiving turkey hats that are turkeys of all shapes and cuts. That's true. That are hats. So- Maybe just because I thought it was a funny hat. That's why I was able to buy it. Anyway, so Severin Fiala and Veronica Franz are aunt and nephew. And they have such a... They're aunt and nephew. Yes, aunt and nephew. Wow. So his mother is her sister. Or brother. Something like that. Yeah, like a a normal aunt-nephew relationship. Great. Um... (laughs) I'm ready. <laughs> so, okay. Shocked. So, I didn't know they had that in Austria. But basically, they. More of my casual bigotry. Yeah. Not <laughs> <laughs> become so famous for. That's it's very what charming. I said at all. <laughs> it's day 163, everybody. Just bear with us. Um, okay. 
the reason that they became a directing team is she was like a film journalist and had also worked on movies, uh, written movies with her ex-husband. And when she was a mom, he would come over and babysit the kids. And they like found out they had like a shared deep love of movies. Um, or, you know, she like probably fostered it in him mm-hmm. in their relationship. And instead of paying him, eventually she would just like rent movies from Blockbuster and they would watch like all the movies together. And they wow. just, yeah, they just like dove right in. And then they made a documentary about a very like strange actor who I guess is like kind of disagreeable and they like bonded in this during this documentary it was like a long process and then they made goodnight mommy just kind of like they had written it together they're like why not just kind of like off the cuff and um they made it in austria because there you just kind of like petition and try to win money to make films Hmm. it's not like people's money or company's money it's just austrian government money and so once you win the money, you can kind of do whatever you want. And and I guess there's like a lot less rules, too. So it's not as safe making films there. Wow. So when they so they were talking about their experience making this movie and how different it was and how they were in Montreal with like a U.S. production company. And it was just very like different. They had to dump all this like unregulated mouth glue down the sewer for this one and use duct tape instead. Oh, my God. Wow. I don't want to. Okay. I do want to talk about Goodnight Mommy, but I don't want to give too many spoilers because I feel like people didn't come here for that. You're right. Like they didn't they didn't expect a a movie to be spoiled. Right. So like I don't want to I don't want to talk too much about Goodnight Mommy, but it is. I think this is like weirdly a a remake of the movie in a a way like there's so many of the same themes. Definitely. But I. I hated Goodnight Mommy. I hated it so much. It was so and I think that they would they would appreciate that. They I think right, they wanted like they wanted that reaction. Like I guess Gaspar No was uh premiering Love the same time in the US as Goodnight Mommy premiered and he like saw someone coming out of um Goodnight Mommy like having a panic attack. Well and he was like, I wanna see that movie. So that's pretty cool. Um, If you're into that sort of sick shit. (laughs) That's a pretty daring filmmaker. Um, So I I know they would probably be like, sweet, you hated it for the right reasons. Um, But uh, so I was very hesitant. You felt something, did you not? (laughs) They all talk like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. (laughs) I, I... I was very hesitant about this movie until my sister, Aunt Monica. Shout out told me that she and her husband really really liked it and thought it was really scary and they watched it like in the middle of the day and i was like hey now is it torturey because i'm not into that and they and she said no so i i was like okay josh let's do it let's escape to the lake house together on this during this heat wave in la i thought it might be a nice thing to look at definitely boy was i wrong (laughs) i mean it's i i I just mean horrible things happen. Yeah, it was a beautiful thing to look at. Yeah. <laughs> the cinematography was amazing. It's, I guess, the DP that Yorgos Lathamos uses. Oh, my dude. Quite a bit. I'm not going to attempt to pronounce the DP's name um, because I just said Yorgos Lathamos and I can say that name. So I'm not going to mess up yeah. the name. Just go <laughs> one for one. Giannis So anyway, I, I wanted to tell you that they were aunt and nephew and i and i thought like don't you feel like they're i mean it's a lot of like maternal stuff happening in their movie so far but like if it is her sister yeah it is the tie that binds she needs to watch her fucking back (laughs) yeah they don't have a lot of sympathy no no yeah yeah they're just yeah um okay well let's recap the movie okay all right so imdb is the typical wasteland of uh internet movie database uh reviews 
but it's a great crowdsourced website. Well, here's what I think that should be. It should be like Wikipedia where like you can edit and yeah. you, and because some some of these reviews are just wrong. And yet they're allowed you to edit the reviews? Well, like Wikipedia, you can go in and and say like that's false. Right, right, right. You know, you You mean you, like the synopses and stuff. You're saying, I'm saying <laughs> if someone's yeah, not, like not, didn't like it, it's a bad part. You're like, actually no. No, it's quite no. good. Just yeah, I'm talking about the the plot summaries that we read that are just a wasteland. Mm. Um and but I feel like it should be that or like voting up or down. Like you should be able to correct this shit. I don't know why it's allowed to persist. It's true. And you should be able to flag things for spoilers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it should easily. be way more I mean I guess I never log into IMDb Pro, but maybe you can do that. That would be super bizarre if they're making people pay for that privilege. <laughs> right. It should yeah. be. Yeah. I don't know. But Professionals, I, do I your job. And Edit I, our website. <laughs> <laughs> While you're looking for that agent cell phone number, can you edit the plot synopses for 2019's The Lodge? I, they're, I, not, they're not perfect. I'll start there. We're almost at our five minute required count of having to talk about IMDb on our show. So just keep it going. All right. Here is the synopsis that I picked out and I'm going to read it. Unless you want to. No, go for it. I trust you. Thank you. I already read the description of this YouTube video. The title, I should say. Oh, yeah, you did. You had your day in the sun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's more than I deserve. (laughs) Okay. In the wake of an appalling tragedy, the emotionally scarred siblings, Aiden and Mia, find themselves stuck with their dad's new girlfriend, Grace, for the Christmas holidays. Holed up in the family's remote lakeside cabin somewhere in the snow-capped wilderness of Massachusetts, they will soon get the chance to show their true feelings about Grace when their journalist father, Richard, has to leave them in the care of their pill-popping stepmother-to-be. But before long, as a relentless blizzard cuts them off from the outside world, inexplicable hair-raising occurrences push everyone beyond their limits, triggering vivid hallucinations of a traumatic, well-hidden past. Now, the inner demons demand more. Is there an escape from the lodge? Okay, that one comes to us from Nick uh, Reginus. Okay. (laughs) Great genitals. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, got the giggles. Um, okay, Nick, you have a fucked up interpretation of what this movie's about, but you got a lot more info than the other ones that were also inaccurate. Okay, the week of an appalling tragedy. It's a weird word. As an editor, I would change it. I would just say, (laughs) try a different adjective. How about just a tragedy? How about a tragedy? Why is it? I mean, okay. So the the appalling tragedy is that these two siblings, um, the the movie opens with their their mom, played by Alicia Silverstone. She drops them off at the dad's house. They're separated. And the dad tells her that, he wants to finalize the divorce and he's going to marry his girlfriend, Grace. And she's like, cool. Um, bye. And she just like leaves abruptly and she goes home. And in a very chilling, I think very well done scene, she kills herself. And that is the tragedy that starts the movie. That's right. And, um, it could be a shocking tragedy. A shocking, I'm not appalled a sh- by appalling. It. I'm not it just, the fucking pope. It's, it's, <laughs> no, it's like so. It's so like um. There, there's a lot of stuff in this review. Okay, they're pill popping stepmother. The got me. Well, no. the pill popping step. Well, there's a there's a serious lack of mental health um, awareness in this in this uh-huh. review, Nick. Like, what's going on with you? And then and then Scientologist. At the end, with a name like Regina's, it has to be Scientology. <laughs> 
And then he says a traumatic, well-hidden past. She was in a famous cult. So, okay, the dad is a journalist. Um, he's like a nonfiction writer, and he's he's written a book about a cult that Grace survived. She's the only person who survived. She was a kid and... Yeah, a suicide cult. A suicide cult. And... Um, Not the Rajneeshi. And <laughs> or like cults we don't know about because they're so well hidden. There's at least been his work done on it and he knows about it. It's not well hidden from the people in this movie. Right. So it's just. There was an expose written or a book and there's a. Yeah. There's footage that they watch. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, this um this is a very problematic review, but I read it anyway to make fun of it. Um, Just held my nose and read it, Nick. <laughs> like, like Boo does. Mm-hmm. I love to hold his nose and talk like this. Um, that would a great way to try rereading it like that. <laughs> Wouldn't you like that, Nick? Wouldn't you like that? You sicken me. So, this movie. They do have to spend the Christmas holidays with... Dad's new girlfriend, Grace. The plan is that they're going to go to this remote lake house and then the dad's going to go back to Boston. I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't really connect that it was in Massachusetts until Nick clued me into it here. Um, Yep. Somewhere in eastern Massachusetts. Yeah. That's where they live. From our very own Deddy's old stopping grounds. Pretty Wait close. a minute. Yeah. So, um, well, actually, your dad is looking at a very remote um, property up in Maine. Well, not anymore. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well. We can still talk about it, though. I was thinking about that because it seems very remote, as the Lodge does in this movie. Yes, totally. So, um, but the idea is that they're going to go. They're all going to go together. Then they, he'll leave them there with Grace for a couple days and then come back on Christmas. Yeah, on the 25th, on on Christmas Day. The thing is, the thing that I want to talk about mainly with this movie is this bad dad and how he doesn't listen to his kids at all. (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. so the kids in this movie... um, Aiden and Mia, played by Jaden and Leah. So strange. So strange. Um, the The boy is the kid from Knives Out, It, Midnight Special. That's how I know him from. Um, and the girl is, I think, fairly new. But they're um, they're really fucked up over their mom's suicide and death, like, clearly. Right. Um, and like they, six months before, I think, they... Mm-hmm say when when he brings up the idea initially of them going away for christmas so because mm-hmm. around thanksgiving mm-hmm. and i think then it says like six months later that's yeah. like you get that little chiron yeah and they are they're really close and they tell their dad that they don't want to do this like and how how could you even how could you be like remarrying her like they're they blame her they do they blame her which is right from the outset. They say that to him in that conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They blame they blame her, um, Grace, the new girlfriend, and they also find in his his office like a video of her, you know, surviving this this suicide cult. And um, I thought I thought that it was a a, a good device uh, in the movie to to make the dad <laughs> like. <laughs> so so shitty like that because by the end you are not so sad when he dies i mean you're sad i wasn't that sad though because i thought every single thing in this movie was his fault Mm -hmm. um Mm. like pushing his kids to be alone with this person that they don't know because i was thinking like you know i would have liked a scene where like the kids have like one you know meal with or whatever, like one instance with Grace that like they're kind of pretending that they're okay with it since they're going to trap her in this horrible prank. Um, But then I was like, no, 
that's this is what you want you want like the the end to be like yeah. well especially the dad who doesn't listen or if he did or if he was concerned it would, uh, yeah it wouldn't matter yeah but because he doesn't care you don't need it you'd cut that immediately mm-hmm. yeah well i guess it was more for like m- the believability of these kids being like so conniving that they would be able to pull off this hoax where they gaslight her literally mm-hmm. um they they like are alone with grace at the house they poison her tea yeah they or put it put it put a sleeping pill. pill in it and um when she wakes up like everything's out of the house all the all like the the coats and the food and the christmas decorations and everything's just like gone mm-hmm. her dog her dog and they pull a prank on her and like blast not blast but like waft um waft on a speaker recordings of the cult leader leader like talking to her so they're they're totally fucking with her until she goes crazy right and you do see what turns out to be the kids i suppose moving around the house because there are a few whether they're kind of handheld shots or i believe there's even a couple things of like a door closing or whatever mm-hmm. and then all the religious iconography and like grace interacting with it as you're trying to figure out like i, I think everyone watching it expects a haunting right you expect right. the whole they set it up that it's like that it's their mom laura haunting the house right or some dark spirit or whatever but the fact that it is just the kids pranking her is mm-hmm. so uh, I mean, it is a great twist. Yeah, it's um, it is it. It's fun to watch this movie because you you really don't know if it's real or not. And then once you do figure it out, it's too late. They've created this monster. She's off of her meds, mm-hmm. and and they are children. And they are children, right? Like they they can't do anything to help her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the the dad in this movie doesn't listen to the kids about their feelings about this person and their feelings about this trip, and then he leaves them with someone who has like such a traumatic past that I mean I'm not saying you shouldn't that you shouldn't trust someone who's taking medication. It's just why leave your kids alone like this early on with with her like that to me was so irresponsible at such an important time the kids call out like how could you do this at christmas oh yeah it is insane i mean anyone who's lost anyone pretty much will always say how difficult the holidays are and like especially let's say you know you could not give two poops about father's day or something but if you've lost your father or grandfather or something right and then the next father's day that rolls around and everyone's talking about how much they love their dad it's just yeah you just all of a sudden all those things you you miss those those you're being fed nostalgia with a spoon and family connections and all that kind of thing right around holidays so even if you did any everything in your power to be able to rein in your own feelings the external noise just makes it impossible not to be overwhelmed by that. So yeah, very yeah. irresponsible dad. Leaves that leaves her with a gun and no car. I would have taken a car. And she's like a, a dead eye with the gun? Yeah. Like that, that somehow makes you more confident in her ability to wield it? Uh, yeah, it was totally his fault. But it gets to such a thing that we talk about all the time on this show about just treating your kids like real people and hearing them and i actually like the way that grace approached it there's a point where she you know she doesn't just like spiral out of control mm-hmm. like you know medea or something like that not thank your medea like <laughs> greek medea <laughs> got it <laughs> um it seemed like there's a point where she says i wish i'd pulled this but says like you know just directly like we need to have a conversation and I need to know mm-hmm. what the hell is going on here. What you've done with my pills. I need those. Like makes it very clear to them in, in simple terms. Just like if you're joking around right now, you need to stop it. Yeah. And I think, and it is, to me, it did actually feel, especially for 
like she's someone without kids, it felt very well handled and realistic. Yeah. And she does talk to the kids like they're real people. Right. That's why it's like she treats them almost as if they were peers, which is what, you know, not peers, but like with that respect, Mm -hmm. when she doesn't talk down to them. Right. And she's so kind of like naive seeming and young looking. She's very young. She's much younger than his original wife. So you do think they're like kind of on the same level. Mm -hmm. When she's kind of like bonding with Mia, you think she's like the young stepmom. Like she just seems closer to them almost than the dad's age. Yeah. Probably because she had a lot of her childhood taken away from her. For sure. Yeah. So this is just a a classic bad dad in my opinion. Like Mm -hmm. I don't don't see the kids or Grace as the villain, even though they both do terrible things. I totally just see Richard as the villain. (laughs) And he just sets them up for failure. Yeah, I I would have been useless in this prank. <laughs> so so downplaying it to call it a prank, but I just kept thinking about how I would have been terrified from the second if my if a parent if, if my married parents as a kid, if one of them left for several days to then drive back up some snowy mountain road, oh, all yeah. I would be thinking about the entire time was that they'd be dying. Oh, yeah. So welcome to my brain for our <laughs> listeners who didn't don't know that. Yeah, that was like, especially as a kid. Yeah, there was like that was always a like a, a serious consideration, especially oh. in the time before cell phones. Totally. I mean, which this movie kind of becomes in its own way mm-hmm. and yet not. Oh, boy. Yeah, this is a fun movie. I liked it. I liked it more as I thought about it after, like kind of putting Mm -hmm. all the pieces together. And I think I was really just relieved that it wasn't as tortury as Goodnight Mommy. That's why you always leave a note. (laughs) That's all I could think about during (laughs) (laughs) that. That's why Rested Development, uh, the revenge. I don't know what it's called. Jay Walter Weatherman is what I found <laughs> out his name is. That's why you don't pull pranks on your father. I feel like I feel like in later seasons it I don't know. Yeah. They just keep going back to it. As they do on that show. It escalates. It heightens. It repeats. It calls back. Um Yeah, but just in general, um couple fun facts here before we segue um couple fun facts the the lodge itself Uh they wanted to have it be as remote as it is and not just kind of like a a trick of cinematography so i guess (laughs) i guess the people like the producers were like that's crazy we're gonna film the lake part in a swimming pool right on a stage and they're like no we're not Whoa. So they found that house and they filmed it on the lake. So I thought that was really cool that it was like really that remote. And they they did a lot of like <laughs> they were trying to get the actors to, um, you know, sort of in like they did this in The Exorcist where it's like we want it to be cold in the house. So we're going to make it cold in the house. And like the the unions were like, you can't do that. Right. And you they were like, hot. <laughs> yeah, they're like. The actors, like, you can't do that to the actors. And they were like, we don't understand how you could, like, you can film an exterior in below freezing weather, but if you're inside, you know, it has to be warm. Hmm. It's like, that's interesting. But, um, right. Like, just the value placed on talent over crew. Well, and yeah, I mean, I'm sure the crew, the crew's unions would be also upset about that. But I, I mean, I bet the crew had like space heaters or something. Sure. I think, yeah. But there were a couple other things that, like, they wanted to do to the actors the actors were fine with but the unions were like no um Hmm. yeah and one other thing that i thought was interesting so grace riley keogh she was like underprepared for the audition so she was really nervous and they had already kind of been in deep talks with some other actress and but they really liked how nervous she was oh you know and it really worked for the the character. 
But anyway, they could not find somebody to play the cult leader. And at one point when they were with Riley Keough, she was like FaceTiming with her father and she was like, say hi to my dad. And they were like, that's him. That's got to be the cult leader. So like, that's her dad. That's like what he looks like. He has this long hair and beard and they didn't change anything about him. And he's not an actor. (laughs) Whoa. That makes a lot of sense. He's not an actor because he was not like a, I mean, a not featured in it in a way that he really probably should have been. But mm-hmm. like, I kind of liked how subtle it was. It's like, oh, we get it. He's a cult leader. Right. There's just like, yeah, take everything, whatever it is you feel about cult leaders like that. Yeah. What's happening here. But like, yeah, his voice was very barely audible. And, you know, mm-hmm. anyway, it's just uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Weird. So here we are at the lodge and we are alone in winter. First of all, when they hid all the stuff, mm-hmm. I feel like I would have found that stuff. I would have yep. like I would have explored every inch of that house. That's especially, right. I mean, 100% because you would be looking for anything. Yes. You'd be freezing cold. You'd and wa- starving. You would, yeah, you would start to tear it apart to just be like, okay, if we have to start burning stuff. I mean, I'm sure a house like that has has got a lot of firewood, but you probably would still just like, yeah. all right, tear it apart. What do we? What else do we have here? Is there an old? Is another old space heater? Is there another? I'm sorry, the gas heater, as they pointedly called it. Um, is there an, you know, anything else that, that could be used to, you know, their blankets? Is there some chest yeah. somewhere that it's just like you'd be digging up all that shit? Right. Boy. Yeah. Because like right from the first day, cell phones are supposedly dead. There's no way to communicate with the outside world. So you would have found the stuff, certainly. It's, it's completely unrealistic that there wouldn't be some way of getting in touch with someone that like, if you had a house like that, mm-hmm. even a bad dad, like Richard, like someone would have other means of communication. Like we used to like, we, right. my family would go to a house on Lake Sunapee in New Hampshire. That's just only open for the summer. It has no insulation. You can't stay there in the winter. Um, and it's a super old house very creaky and whatever else but like it withstands those kinds of elements in the winter and it still has a landline phone line they don't replace every year right it's just there those things are so bulletproof not that it would be this big creative leap to say oh there was an ice storm it knocked out the phone lines too or whatever but it seems weird you would have something like walkie talkies a cb radio you'd have some means of like this is what you do in an emergency. If yeah. you're ever stuck out here and you need to go get help, you'd have that lockdown. Totally. But Richard's a bad dad, so I guess it is It is realistic. Um, you wanted a landline and then you wanted this the little shot of like Aiden pulling the plug like Mayday in airplane. Like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, you know what else you'd have? Is a snowmobile. You'd have some other means of... yeah. Of getting from the house that isn't a car, that actually the kids could operate, like that's oh, another yeah, totally. like piece of a of a place like that. Well, like I a- mean, coulda, shoulda, woulda, Josh. But this brings us to our next point about preparedness. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to be that bad dad. You don't. So it is important to be prepared. There's actually been a lot of there's. If you haven't heard. California's wildfires are raging. Yes, California is on fire. Yeah, it's very scary. It's always scary. It happens every year and it's still scary. And, you know, of course it happens when it's super hot and dry otherwise, which just makes you think of fires. <laughs> you know, it just makes the overwhelming heat and the, um, uh, let's see, anxiety over a warming planet grow exponentially. Um, Wait, what? Huh? Yeah. But even though fires aren't raging near us at the moment, like the city of Glendale released an emergency preparedness checklist. And it is the kind of thing that like, you know, we have earthquake kits in our cars. We have stuff in our house for, you know, like water and those kinds of things ready to go. But like, you know, it's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff that you need it's a lot of to stuff. be ready in an emergency. And you have to keep it updated. Yes. Yeah. That's the other thing. Yeah, you got to you got to check that stuff periodically cuz like everything expires. Shit goes Kids bad. Kids grow explodes. out of diapers. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. wipes dry up. 
You even should, I think, replace your water. Like we have 20 gallons or something. Mm-hmm. And I think I should replace it. Like I think you're supposed to replace it every couple of years. And I think I did that like two years ago. That's probably true. But it's it's because, you know, and, and water taste can obviously like leach into bottles and stuff like or water taste the smooth taste of water water um (laughs) plastic flavor can leach into water from bottles it's still safe to drink Mm -hmm. but it isn't uh you know you do still probably want to change it especially like if you're reusing bottles or something and you found out that they were moldy or something like that you'd would not want to be in that situation um Mm -hmm. In a in a disaster in a, in an emergency of any kind, so it is a good idea. No matter where you live, just like do check like city and state websites and like see what emergency supplies they recommend you carry. I think that especially now during COVID, there are even just those minimal things that we all have realized over the last six months that we need. You know, we need to have. Right. We've seen Mm -hmm. what a run on a grocery store looks like under the best of circumstances, like when supply lines were still open. You've seen what like, um, you know, or what happens when all of a sudden like cleaning supplies and stuff aren't available. Yeah. You know, so like, yeah, people were buying up water when water is still flowing freely from their taps. It's a weird. So like, yeah, Yeah. imagine if something actually happened. Right. Well, you know, with global warming, these things are going to keep happening. Every storm is going to be worse. Hurricanes, blizzards. Um, my sister in Pennsylvania, northern Delaware, right on the border, Aunt Monica, she her basement flooded during a storm. It wasn't even the recent hurricane there. It was just a storm, but it was something like... Uh, they like in five minutes they got an inch of water like it rained it it rained in the 20 minute period it it was like four inches of water and i guess this happens once every thousand years like it's this freak rain event but like you have to assume that all weather is gonna just be i'm not saying that is specifically linked to global warming but i think kind of getting used to severity and yeah her basement flooded they had to get everything you know the carpeting ripped out and I mean yeah it was just like pouring in through the windows and I don't think in Delaware like even growing up we didn't we would get tornado warnings Mm -hmm. but besides that you're not really thinking about natural disasters you know? Right. So I we think... get occasional hurricanes and obviously like blizzards in Massachusetts. Yeah. But like sometimes you'd get tropical storm things. We probably don't get those like New Orleans being hit with two tropical storms in two days, which is what's happening oh this week. And that's the kind of thing too. It's just like you have to be ready for when these things compound, right? And be- like before you have a chance to like... <laughs> This is dark, man. Uh, but, you know, before you have a chance to get back up, that like you're at least prepared for something. Obviously, that's not what's happening in this movie. Uh, the kids would have thrown out the emergency supplies if they had had emergency right. supplies. Right. But um, it, it does, the fact that no one was, everyone was cool with the setup of, I'm dropping you off at a house with a gun. Right. No neighbors, no phone, and... We certainly know snow will be falling. He was gone for a few days. Mm-hmm. So they knew what the forecast was going to be. They yeah. probably knew there's going to be this gnarly blizzard. Even he said, like, if the roads are open, I'll be back up. Or it's like, what kind of a plan oh, is yeah. that? And then he gets a fucking clue from the dollhouse. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, that was, yeah. I, I Yeah. Hereditary kind of, like, sucked all the dollhouse oxygen out of the room i think um dollhouses are creepy really proportionate gigantic dollhouses are really creepy and so are like uh harbingers of doom like in the forms of dioramas (laughs) like any it's like that was yeah i mean it's 
it's creepy. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems even in Hereditary, I and I I'm not giving anything away. It's like honestly, like the first scene. There's there there are there's a strong dollhouse device in that movie, and I didn't love it then. I. <laughs> I loved this book called The Dollhouse Murders when mm. I was a kid. Was this V.C. Andrews we're talking about? Oh, potentially. Uh, the Dollhouse Murders, really subtle title. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I just like, maybe for me, like that was kind of the best. You got that your was, fix that was back the, then. That was the pinnacle of dollhouse uh, horror for me. It's hard to believe. I Who should really try to find short that supply. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, as soon as I saw the dollhouse, I was just like, you know, like Mm -hmm. I kind of got a little groany, but um, groany baloney on me because. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's still gotcha. No, because like the dad, like, I don't know, at the end, like, I don't know if it it was to make up for like some time that he would have, like he wasn't going up there, he wasn't trying to whatever but he like looks in the dollhouse and sees that they had kind of set everything up uh, and he was like huh i guess i better go to the lake house to the lodge i mean and um yeah like you know, like a murder scene set up in there and was like oh yeah like ay, ay, ay. this must be what's happening this guy yeah. who doesn't pay attention to anything is unwilling to accept <laughs> Who's his a children's fiction opinion. writer right who should notice everything Mm-hmm. Ay, ay, ay. too wrapped up in his work couldn't see the forest for the trees yeah i will say i don't i'm not trying to like nitpick i in general really liked this movie there were just some things that i was like hmm i mean uh-huh. that's the nature of my brain where i just want to like tweak and edit and stuff but um yeah i mean i guess he was just really detached and didn't really care so much about <laughs> or just like thought his kids would be okay and they were not. But they all got what was coming. Yeah. To them. That's, yeah. They're, yeah, it was a very satisfying ending. Yeah. Because, I mean, obviously this movie makes you think of The Shining. So I think it was cool that, you know, with that as not a, obviously not like a trope. It's just been done so well one time that it's so memorable. The fact that it's like, oh yeah, he he got there, but no one was able to save them. Mm-hmm. There was no help coming that snowplow wasn't like just down the road or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, one of the weirdest things is I felt like this movie really left something on the table is our eyelash curlers, not like the greatest unused torture device in all of Ugh. horror cinema. Cause like Laura, uh, Alicia Silverstone, she uses an eyelash curler in like one of the first scenes of this movie. And anytime I see one on screen, I fully expect someone to like, get their eyelids removed by it or something it just feels like it's oh, probably God. The biggest red herring in in horror cinema history i didn't think about that because it's just i you are not used to seeing that all the time i don't curl my eyelashes so but like i would say a lot of girls do it's not like that uncommon. Maybe like I don't think that people see it and are like torture, you know, like I know, but it, they should because it lo- <laughs> the amount of the amount of common household items that get turned against their owners is, you know, like a list as long as whatever. Yeah. I think that it's something that it is just like a weirdly overlooked thing that every single time I see one mm. in person, if I'm at CVS shopping and there's one on an end cap, I look at it and I'm like torture device. If <laughs> I see anyone using it in real life or in a movie, I'm like torture device. I hope you don't get your eyelid, eyelids caught in that thing. It's not like a blade. It doesn't cut your I eyelashes. I know that. It's a squishing thing. It's and squishing. why would you put that near your eyeballs? Well, you are blessed with very curly eyelashes. That's right. Some people have flat, droopy eyelashes. <laughs> they do. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I can't even. I, I feel like it was probably on my wedding day that I, that I used one, you know, because just for that extra flair. But, right. you know, I don't. I It's been at least eight years. Mm-hmm. Happy anniversary. Um, Happy anniversary to you. Uh, this is all we did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just that. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, 
Anniversary two weeks ago. (laughs) Two weeks ago. (laughs) So yeah, it's not. It's not like even tweezers. Do you think that about tweezers? Those are way more painful. But I bet actually inflict pain. I bet tweezers have been used in a horror movie to do something horrific, and also they're more of a precision instrument. You go down the list of like tea kettles, dog collars, like whatever. There's a million normal ass things that get used to viciously hurt people in movies. It's just strange. The one that actually looks like a medieval (laughs) torture device would not. It looks like an old surgical instrument is really what it looks like. So that that thing that is specifically designed to clamp on your eyes, a thing that everyone (laughs) is grossed out by and no one likes. And people that that really do like it. People people grow to love the feeling of it because <laughs> it makes them look so beautiful. <laughs> mm. It's true. Clamp, clamp. Clamp, clamp. Clamp, clamp. Uh, <laughs> well, I know what you're getting for your next birthday, Josh. An oversized novelty eyelash curler. <laughs> um, Should we rate this movie? I feel like we need... Oh, rate this movie? Yeah. I thought you... I thought you said, should we write this movie where the where the eyelash curler is the device with which we torture our mothers? Um, <laughs> Mother. So, yeah, but let's not write that movie because Unshinandalu sliced up those eyeballs. And that's pretty much the to- most tortury eyeball scene you need in all of cinema history, if you ask me. I don't know what that means. Unchenandalu is like a French film from the like twenties and the Pixie song. It's uh, yeah. like slicing so up eyeballs. Yeah, it's because um Andalusia. <laughs> well, yeah, he yeah. Yes. Um because uh Frank, what's his name? Frank Black. Frank Black, there you go. Frank Black went to Mass Art. And what do you mass Amherst? I'm sorry. I, I did I did this all I do this all the time with the Massachusetts schools. How could your, you? your 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 brother and uh his wife schooled me on how just how everything is so very, so very, very different. Sorry. They went to UMass is what I actually meant to say. Um and he had a fr- he had a film teacher, Debaser. Right. And he screened this movie for them, and that's where he learned about Unchenandalu. Which is a, f- a f- yeah, just a French movie about bun- slicing up eyeballs. Yeah. Bun- Bunuel. Beautiful. Yes. Have to check it out. There is your f- film history lesson and Pixie's uh, lesson for the day. Oh, look at that. F- Franco Spanish. Right. That would make sense because it was really, as I was. Franco Negro. While I was, while I was Googling this to make sure. I had it correct. I was like, wait a minute, Boonwell. I got really thrown, but I guess there you go. What are you saying? Um, it's the the movie is by Louis Boonwell and Dolly. Salvador Dolly. Yes. My guy. But I just got confused when I, yeah, I was just like, wait a minute. He's Spanish. And mm-hmm. it's a Franco-Spanish film. Oh. Anyway, check it out. I'll link to it. How about that? Great. Everybody loves our website. Okay. Well, let's rate the movie. Sounds good. Uh, okay. <sighs> How many in loving memory pre-made frames from Michael's out of six, do you give the film The Lodge 2019? Uh, I give it, I think I did this last time, but I'm going to give it four and a half out of six. That's right. I did a sixer last yeah, time. You did a Ugh. sixer. Um, and because I did really like it and um, it was shot really beautifully and it really like had some twists and tur- twists and turns that I appreciated. You know, a couple mm-hmm. things here and there that I would have liked to see or changed. But in general, I feel I feel like I'm back on the Franz Fiala boat. I was off of it 
hard. And now I'm back on board. I want to see what they do. They have like all kinds of crazy projects coming down the pike. So um, how about you? How many frames um, that a child makes to confuse their stepmother that they have died and they're living in purgatory? I thought they purchased it at a store, which I just found so strange that someone would make this frame. No, they made it. It was like. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they didn't make the frame. They got the frame. <laughs> they were just put a little I don't know how you make frames. Um uh go. I don't know. I would say four out of six. I am trying to be more positive is what I'm trying to do. I did also like this movie. Everything you said resonated with me. And even while I was watching it and I felt like I was also at the end of my tether with um that I felt the dollhouse thing stay tuned for an episode on hereditary. We clearly love it. Uh, that like the dollhouse thing felt like, Oh, you just wanted to do hereditary as like the opening sequence and some kind of device and through line for this movie as like a storytelling device. And I, I didn't love the cult leader stuff, as I said, but I, it was, it was, I, I haven't seen this movie before. And that is, sh- that should be what, Mm-hmm. we desire from genre pictures is that they do something unique and they do something different so that we're able to find new levels of enjoyment and fear when we watch these things. Cause like that should be, that should be it. Yeah. Like that, suspense at the very mm-hmm. least of like, like you can't have this movie without supernatural horror because it plays against it and like all the tropes of that and the religious iconography and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I, so I, I did, I really like it, but there is still this part of me that found myself kind of rolling my eyes or felt like a couple of things just being sort of half baked or something in it. I don't know, even just, you know, starting with a gun on the table, I was just, gonna, yeah. just feels, it feels yeah. a little, it feels a little weak, but it wasn't. And so I should like it even more because of that. And I think- you should. I think you really should. I think you should give in to those things. I feel like, you know, I know that our listening audience, you know, it's clear like they don't come here for like us to just be like, yes, you know, like, right. yeah, like we're also pretty critical of the movies, I think more so than most horror fans. Oh, I, yeah, um, I think but so. I hope that's enjoyable to kind of like pick it apart, but. I think if you leaned into it instead of away from it, that this film is pretty well done, which I, again, am shocked that I'm saying because I super hated Goodnight Mommy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I do. That's why I, I look forward to watching more movies that I have not seen before, especially newer movies with delight and optimism for them, for what they might do to advance the genre and do things in a different way. And I, I like those things about breaking the rules through acknowledging them, but that it doesn't have to be because what I don't like are the movies that just feel like, Oh, you're just jamming in horror tropes. I don't like that either. So then it's like, well, what's my sweet spot? Just old movies that I already like. That doesn't seem very fun. Right. You know? So I think that that's, it's something that I, I, uh, I would like to give this, even higher marks because I have thought about it a lot and I, and I do think it is, it's visually compelling too. And it is a cool premise. Yeah. The premise could have been like whatever, but the way they did it was pretty tight. Like I really liked when Grace leaves the house and she's like, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to like find, so there has to be somebody. And she like sees that house on the Hill. That's like the cross shaped Mm -hmm. house and like her, you know, the cult leaders in there and it's just so creepy. And then she comes back like that was very effective totally yeah it bordered on some kind of magical realism kind of stuff right with that more so than just like hallucination and horror there was something like oh maybe she did see it i don't know mm-hmm. like that's and that's a cool thing that i feel like we don't get a, as much of in in horror as i would like to see so. yeah so the kids josh the mm. kids how many sleeves of saltines do you oh. do you give them out of ten? How many sleeves? Ten sleeves of. You have to eat them in under a minute. Oh 
Um, Isn't it like six? Isn't the challenge, is, the saltine challenge is remarkably low. Saltine challenge. I Put won't be doing show that. Notes. Yep, yep. We'd like to see your no, saltine no. challenge. Well, videos. it's not like the cinnamon thing. You're not going to die, but like your mouth's going to get really dry. I want to see families doing the saltine challenge together. <laughs> um, Boy, so out of 10 saltines. I saltine thought, sleeves. Saltine sleeves. So that's got to be boy, oh, boy, 400 <laughs> saltines. Uh, I'd give them a 9 out of 10. I thought they were very good. Like the kids in this movie. I love uh, Jaden. Mm-hmm. And I thought Mia was very convincing. I thought she, especially when she tries to fess up. I thought that was oh, a great Oh, totally. Yeah. And she's so sad about the dog. Mm-hmm. I really liked in the beginning when she was like, you don't understand. Mom can't go to heaven. Oh, and that she was, was beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. They were really great. I would agree. Nine out of 10 for the kiddos. One sleeve of saltines to crush up in some chili <laughs> and leave it out to freeze almost immediately oh, on yeah, the ground yeah, for yeah. your dog. I hate being hungry and I hate being cold the lodge (laughs) Mm -hmm. i would like to know what they did with the dog we don't find that out right because they didn't just let it out of the house she accidentally let it out of the house she said she like accidentally opened the door that's when she's like apologizing to her she's like i i didn't mean to kill your dog oh interesting i thought that that was false information no she was like sobbing hysterically she really didn't mean she wanted a dog for christmas i thought she just kind of had a change of heart even though she did want a dog, she still also... No, I think it was an accident. But it was what did her in in the end, you see. That's right. Oof. Accidents will happen. <sighs> Pranks will happen. Uh, real quick before we wrap it up, you have a scary good stuff for us. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, hey, honorable mention to the Headspace app. I'm looking forward to diving back into that in a more full-time capacity. Till I'm basically Dr. Manhattan. But uh, speaking of HBO shows from former Lost producers, I am really enjoying the two episodes that have been released of Lovecraft Country. Yes. On HBO. Yes. It's really fun to have a weekly show again. Yes. That's a kind of magical escape. Like we've been watching I May Destroy You, which is also really great. But we have we don't like we're like it's Sunday night sit down for I may destroy you you know it's right like- <laughs> right it is and it and really is yeah that's an inc- that's an incredible show it's it, a, is. it is like a very special show and like Lovecraft Country I'm excited to see where it goes and I'm more, it's more just it's it's fun right now and it is nice to have I've never read the novel and. I'm really just kind of curious to see where it goes. It's fun to have that, like something that's based on some source material you're not really familiar with. Um, Yeah. Obviously Mm -hmm. that it's like tackling a lot of race issues that, you know, Lovecraft was a, I guess now we say he's a famous racist, but I feel like it's only something that anyone's talked about in recent years. I never read enough of his stuff to know that as like a young person, Mm -mm. but like, it of course makes total sense and i'm just excited to see kind of like how they tackle some of that stuff and see where like just where the characters go but right now it is like it's largely just like fun and an exciting show and there's magic in it and that kind of and monsters and yeah great great. music oh such such great music Mm -hmm. i feel like watchmen really elevated everything i don't know it was such a um the music in Watchmen, it's I feel great. like, was game changing. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to top that. I think that's why it's it's hard. We were trying to come up with lists recently of what our favorite TV shows were, and we're talking about how it's so hard to think beyond the best things you've ever seen to the things that you really had fun with or enjoyed the ride or whatever it might. However, you want to like think about it there may be imperfect shows but it was like oh yeah that's a good show or like that certainly things that i feel like i've seen if someone were to say like oh that's actually my favorite show ever you'd be like oh that's fun 
good for you. Yeah. <laughs> Great for you to have an answer that isn't Sopranos or The Wire. Yeah. I wonder if we should post our top 10 favorite TV shows to our yeah. Instagram. Maybe challenge our listeners to do the same. Um, and thank you so much for everyone who sent us their prom photos for that Carrie. That was very fun. Very fun. Um, shame, shame, shame on everyone who didn't. And we're going to do a top 10 TV shows. Yeah. See if you can do it. Um, share yours in your stories. Yeah. Tag us so we can share them too. And know that it is a list made up of shows that you love for different reasons. And I think that would be the same of any top 10. Like if you were saying my top 10 favorite movies or albums, you would, it would be it's with Desert the- Island. Well, no. See, that's a different list. Mm. That's a way different list. Okay. You tell us. What are we doing? Top, just top 10 favorite. It's mm-hmm. not like. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Because you, like me, would think about Desert Island. You're talking about concept. Re- rewatchability at that point. Right. You'd think about the actual concept of like, I'm trapped on a desert island. I guess where I think of it as, <laughs> and like, so what would I do? Okay. So that means I'm not bringing anything that's about a plane crash or an island. That means I'm not really lost as I, I didn't like lost, but anyway, uh, there, that like, yes, I'm taking it literally. It's just, it's the, yeah, the list of the shows you, that you love the most that bring you the most joy. Yeah. From the past and also just from the future. From the future, ah, the more recent past. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, let's see what happens. Buy the ticket, take the ride, and you know <laughs> what else? Don't be a creep. Get in touch. You can email us at mummyxdeddy at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Facebook at mummyxdeddy. We're on Instagram at mummyxdeddypod. You can leave us a voicemail at eight one eight eight three nine one nine nine one. You can also visit us on the internet for show notes and more. We're at mummyxdaddy.com. If you like what you hear, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And tell a friend. Our theme music is by Kyle Andrews. Our logo was designed by Dara Weinberg. Maggie Spaulding is warm yet fashionable technical outerwear. It's there when you need it. Bye. Bye.